Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement-building show. Happy to be back. During the fun drives, I'm definitely here one time. It seems like our audience does great the first time or the one time we do it. I don't seem to have the capacity to sustain as much fun raising as I would hope. But we did really great on the show we did. Uh, my patron saint or one of them, Paul Robeson, we did a wonderful show on Paul Robeson. I don't know if they showed it again or played it again. But I want to thank you. We raised $1,250 that, uh, that hour. The Criterion Collection of uh, Portrait of an Artist about Paul Robeson, just amazing premium. We, we four people got it. And another of you, which I really appreciate, gave 50 and 25 and 100 and whatever you could uh, because it also matters how many of you give. It matters to me because I'm doing a radio show to reach people and not just raise money. So, yeah, it's much better to get eight or nine people to give 1250 than one person to give 1250 You get it. And Paul Robeson thanks you. I mean it. And he's still here. He's still here. I was just listening to Dr. King. And, God, that man was so hopeful so hopeful, quoting from everybody and trying so hard to move this country. But this country is a vicious, fascist, white settler state, an imperialist state. And for those of us who worked so hard during the 60s to try to save its soul, well, I got to give them credit. Imperialism is say, you cannot save my soul. I have no soul. You can't give me a soul transplant. I am who I am. And now we got Biden and Harris doing whatever they're doing, and Trump is on the rise, folks, and the Democrats are already playing defense. There is no real defund the police movement among liberal Democrats. There's, and our own movement is having trouble because without the support of liberal Democrats, we're not strong enough alone. 
And yet, the liberal Democrats are basically hopeless. So I'm in better spirits than I sound. I'm just trying to tell it like it is and seek truth from facts and begin the story with what we got. So what do we have? Permanent resistance. That's what we have. Continual resistance to U.S. imperialism. Strategy Center has a very aggressive program, and we repeat it and repeat it, but the more you think about it, it's pretty great. So it's coherent. You know, it's not a demand here and a demand there. It's saying basically death to U.S. imperialism, although we don't put that quite on our T-shirts, but that's sort of the essence of the message if you want to get right to it. So we say free public transportation. As I get to later on the show, we'll see. The MTA cannot give you free public transportation. The MTA wants to have you prove your Poe, and we're not going to do that, and we'll get into that whole conversation. And we want no police on the MTA buses and trains. We want no police in the schools. We want a 50% cut in the LAPD, open borders for all immigrants. We want... uh, and really, you've got to be taking more attention to this uh, free, safe, and legal abortion for all women. I mean, that demand is revolutionary, and, and we better pay more attention to it because it's in danger of being eliminated. Uh, and, of course, the biggest one to me really is, uh, well, no cars in L.A. cut U.S. greenhouse gases by 50% of... Uh, 2010 uh, emission levels by 2025, and U.S. hands off the world, U.S. non-intervention in China, in Russia, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Venezuela, Cuba. I mean, this country is a disgraceful warmonger that's taking on the world and has 800 military bases in virtually every country or right next to the few countries that won't let them in. So yes, I believe that China and Russia and Iran and Venezuela and Cuba represent some kind of a front to put some limits on the insane aggression of our government, a.k.a. U.S. imperialism. So that's what I do. I wake up every morning with that worldview, and then I go to work. I don't get depressed. I go to work, go out and organize people. So we have two campaigns we're running right now uh, at the front of all the campaigns. We'll come back to the international campaigns in a minute. Uh, Channing, are you with me? I am. Okay. Thanks for having me on, as always. Okay. Well, I'm always with you, too. So I'm on the phone with Channing Martinez, uh, our director of organizing of the Labor Community Strategy Center. And just to say a little bit more about strategy... Uh, the Strategy Center's work is at the intersection of challenging the police state, the warfare state, and the climate justice state, and fighting for black liberation. So these are slogans that give some orientation, like build a black Latinx third world alliance against U.S. imperialism frames everything. We want the social welfare state, not the police state. We want the climate justice state, not the warfare state. It may, for some of you who are not too smart, 
it may just seem like, oh, that's an interesting slogan. It's not. It's a framing strategic perspective that you wake up in the morning and keep repeating. And especially for black folks, the police are the armed force of the government to repress the black nation. So when we say no police on the MTA buses and trains, no police in the OAUSD schools, and yes, stop MTA genocide against the black nation, we see all the work against the police as a black liberation campaign. So I'm going to talk about the fight over free public transportation at the MTA in a little bit, but Channing's about to go into an important meeting or rally. So Channing, where are you? What are you doing? What are you thinking? And what are you calling for? Well, I'm out here in the street, and I'm at the LAUSD headquarters, and we're about to have a rally at 3.30 uh, in support of continuation of our campaign to defund the LA and support blacks in the treatment. And as you said, it's uh, not end the war on black people in this country. Channing, there's a lot, a lot of noise on the on, on the on the phone. Is is there any ability to restrict it? Uh, no, unless if I walk to my car. What's that? Unless if I walk to my car. Well, where you are right this second sounds pretty good. Stay there for a minute, and you may have to. But go ahead. I want you to still be on the street. So go ahead. So, yeah, uh, so it's part of a larger fight. Um, we're excited that last year, as many of you guys may have listened on Voices, we were able to work with Monica Garcia, Nick Melvoin, Kelly Gomez, and Jackie Goldberg, uh, and then other organizations, including students of the Black Lives Matter, Inner City Struggle, and others, to defund the LA school police by $25 million or 35%. We then, six months later, moved to figure out what are we going to do with that money. And we came up with a plan for black student achievement. And to our surprise, the superintendent added another $11 million to the amount and implemented our plan. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of different fights within that and a lot of you know, struggle, unity struggle. But... You know, it's the only district and the only elected officials that I know in the entire city that have successfully defunded the LA school police and really have wanted to work with the movement. And that in itself has been a very big victory. Well, exactly, because I'll come back. You know, Channing, one of the things that you and I know is, you know, we met with uh, Mike Bonin at the at the uh, MTA, and he was not as strong as I had hoped. We met with, tried to meet with uh, uh, Holly Mitchell, very disappointed in her performance and her response, even more disappointed in Hilda Solis, lack of response. We'll come back to that. So the fact that you are working with board members who care, who know you by name, who talk to you, who who actually listen as well as we listen to them, um, Tell me now, at this minute, because you're on the steering committee, this is very exciting, uh, it's a, you know, of trying to figure out what to do about uh, holding the line, at least on the 35%, making sure because the police want to get it back, and also 
moving more money to black schools, black achievement. Uh, what's the rally about today? What's the rally calling for? Well, the rally is calling for two different things. Uh, number one, we are calling for an expansion of the program for black student achievement. Right now, uh, the $35 million is going to about 53 schools with majority black students, or 200 uh, or more black students. And we're asking for a whopping, uh, you know, uh, $200 million to go to black student achievement and alternatives to school police. And a piece of that is to expand the amount of schools in the program. So that's one. And then the second major thing is we are calling for it to defund the LA school police in totality and move that money particularly to support black students. And are you, so the rallies today, is there a board meeting coming up? There is a board meeting. So what this is actually discussing uh, their budget. And as they've gotten millions from the federal government uh, of COVID money, uh, we're trying to figure out how to use that money to really deal with the pandemic of uh, police brutality and anti-black racism that's been going down for more than 20 years in LAUSD. So how does it work in terms of our listeners? What's the next action item? I mean, it sounds great. I mean, you know that. It's very exciting, Channing, that you're now, uh, you know, directly part of the solution that with that, uh, I'll come back to that. But we don't believe in the so-called inside-outside stuff. We believe that you have one movement, one coherent plan. And yes, if an institution genuinely wants to make some changes, uh, we work with them as well as we continue to movement in the community to monitor, to have our own independent work. So what's the, what am I trying to say? Tell me a little bit about what you've learned in the last six months or eight months about how all this stuff works. Well, the first thing is I learned a lot more about LAUSD and how they're governed and how they work than anyone can ever know without having worked directly with the board members and worked directly with the superintendent's office. Uh, you know, the second thing is that I am now working with groupings of folks through the Black Student uh, Achievement Advisory Committee that, you know, to be frank, they probably would not be working with us otherwise. Uh, this is principles that, you know, sometimes they're not always that great on teacher-student politics. Uh, it is parent center reps, some, to some of which we work with, and then it is a lot more access to students that, you know, when when they hear us, because it's the first time they're hearing our politics because the schools are a little bit restricted, they're really excited about, oh, wow, I need to join this organization. Their politics are exciting. Why aren't they teaching me this inside of school, as one student actually said in one of the meetings? <laughs> well, I think that's great. Um Where's the cutting edge right now? I mean, well, certainly I, I just want the listeners to understand you're on KPFK 90.7 FM. This is Eric Mann at VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com, your national movement building show. Channing is also at times the producer, at times the uh, co-host, but 
He's really our man in the field right now, so we don't really want him in the studio. We're happy to have you co-hosting from the front lines. Oh, that's that's a good name. We should call it that. So uh, <laughs> since you are on the front lines, wh- what's the primary contradiction you're trying to address right this minute with all the different things, with the board? Well, I think the primary contradiction is that things here in Los Angeles and the U.S. are starting to go back to what everyone seems to feel like is normal, right? Right. So as we're starting to not wear masks anymore, uh, students are actually starting to be a little bit more engaged and more concerned about their finals and about getting into schools. Uh, because, you know, LAUSD is not at a point anymore where they're not going to not grade you. They will fail you right now. Right. Um, and at the same time, there's not a big George Floyd. There's not a George Floyd. That doesn't mean that black folks have not been killed by police, but there's not a very big media presence and a movement presence like there was last year, where hundreds of thousands and millions of people are in the streets. Uh but all of that to say that it doesn't mean that we still don't need to defund the LA school police and we still don't need to transform the actual system that LAUSD is, is at the moment, um, which is set up intentionally or unintentionally to basically criminalize black students. And so that's the contradiction. I think the other contradiction is that we're working with board members that actually do care. They do listen. They want to figure out how to defund the school police, and they want to figure out how to move more resources to black students. But the, the exact uh, roadmap is not that clear to victory at the moment. And we're all trying to figure out what does victory look like. Yeah, I think that's great. And one of the things you're learning, because I've done this you know, a couple of days is that the ebbs and flows are just crazy sometimes. You know, you just don't know. I mean, I talked to a friend of mine in New York. He said right now, uh, he's a really great organizer, and he said the most things people want to talk about is getting a latte. You know, they're so damn happy they're getting out. And we have to, <laughs> you know, accept that that's partly true. You know I mean? We've been cooped up crazy for over a year. And it's, it's very possible that... Uh, Protesting is not the first thing on people's mind as much as trying to reorganize and, re, you know, so it just means you stay with people. You know, it's not like they're not interested. It just means they may be a little less interested, you know. And on the other hand, we have more access to people, right? Um, That's right. That's right. So uh, I'm going to let you go. Uh, I'm going to read a short story. You have time. You know, you should go. You go. I'll tell you the story some other time. You and I see each other all the time. Uh, Channing, you know, always very proud of what you're doing. You're fighting for the community. Uh, black leadership is uh, it's a lifetime struggle. That's all. And you, you're growing every day, and you're you're in the field, and you're learning as we go. And that's what we got. The only thing we got going against the system. So, thanks for being on Voices. You go do your organizing work, and I'm gonna take a break, D'Angelo, and maybe. Um, there's a see if you can find something by Elaine Brown, but if not, just play something. And uh, any last last word before you go, Channing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the last thing is I we I and we are trying to figure out how to connect the third world issue, the police in schools, 
and the police on public transit. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your next segment on public transit because it is a way to connect it all together and figure out how to continue this fight and broaden it. So that's it. And if you want to, if you're interested in reaching Channing, you could reach him at Channing at thestrategycenter.org. Why don't you c- communicate with him? He's he's an up and coming important organizer, and he's got his finger on the pulse of a lot of things. Thank you so much, Channing. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later. All right. So play something, D'Angelo, and then we'll be back. I'm going to tell you about. I'm going to read you uh, the Black Moses and the Civil Rights Organizer: A Beautiful Connection. But Worlds Apart, it's a short story I wrote. And then I'm going to tell you all about no police on MTA buses and trains. Free public transportation now. I want to hold some child forever. I desire from it all. Yes, hold some black child. But outside it's raging And there is no time to hold I wish to tell some other
Was that Elaine Brown? Thank you, D'Angelo. I thought so. I never heard that song before. She's pretty incredible. Elaine Brown was, at one point, the chairperson of the Black Panther Party, a major figure. Great singer. Great singer. I'm going to try to... We play a lot of Nina Simone. I want to get more Elaine Brown on the show, and I'm going to go try to listen more to her own work. So this is Eric Mann. You're on Voices from TheFrontLines.com, your national movement-building show. You just heard from Channing Martinez on the front lines of the fight to try to get more money for black schools, less police in the schools, uh, get a major investment in black education, and also the beginning of some uh, investment in alternatives to policing. So if you're interested, again, in learning more about Channing's work, you can write him directly at Channing, Mar- Channing at thestrategycenter.org. Um, you know, I, I spent my whole life uh, as an organizer, and I'm writing a book now called uh, In Search of the Revolution, The Journey of a Movement Organizer. And I'm learning a lot in the process of writing it, and because I... The book goes through my, my work in the South Bronx with Cong- then with Congress of Racial Equality and the Newark Community Union Project and Students for Democratic Society and a whole lot of other organizations throughout my life. But I just realized that one of the things about being an organizer, which the word is used easily, but there are very few organizers and they're even fewer good ones. And the key to a good organizer to me, I realize, is is obviously begins with strategy and politics. But once you have that, it's all about listening and empathy and trying to figure out the connection between what you believe and another person's life. Now, sometimes that person's life already has a, a great deal of consciousness in it. So it's not always thinking you're going to bring consciousness to someone. There's a lot of people out there with consciousness that are trying to bring some to you. And I've been pretty good at that. I've been pretty good at knowing that. And people appreciate that. I think they know something. So I'm going to talk to you about the a lot of things, but right now I'm just going to read you a story that I wrote. So it's called uh, The Black Moses and the Civil Rights Organizer, A Beautiful Connection, But Worlds Apart by Eric Mann. Uh, and I've never read this before, and I've never, I'm going to be publishing it very soon, although it happened in 2017. I'm a civil rights organizer and a revolutionary. I've been, since my days as a field secretary for the Congress of Racial Equality in New York and the East Coast in 1964, I was there during the Newark Rebellion of 1967 and the L.A. Rebellion of 1992, and yes, the George Floyd Rebellion of 2020. Today, I see the daily rebellions of black people who just can't take the abuse, humiliation, and brutality of U.S. society. Their struggle and those of the third world people all over the world is what fuels my work and my life. So I'm at a nice hotel in Seattle, sitting in their outdoor restaurant. I'm looking out on the street, people watching. I see this tall, elegant, gray-bearded black man walking down the street with a long walking stick, carrying his few worldly possessions behind him. 
He looks like a black Moses, or maybe that's redundant. I'm struck by the dignity and presence of his carriage. Out of attraction and some vague sense of solidarity, I walk up to him and say, Hello, brother, how you doing? Our eyes meet directly. We're both six, about six foot two, and he laughs. In my own way, I'm doing great. I see clearly that he's not doing that great materially. I ask him, would it be okay if I give you a little money to help out? I hand him a $5 bill. He laughed and held it up over his head with a dramatic flair as if it was admiring a piece of art. Well, I don't know if I want to spend it or frame it, he joked. Just then, another guy in the restaurant, witnessing our play, came up and also gave him a $5 bill. See, in fundraising, the lead donation raises the ceiling. And I was truly sorry I had not offered a $10 bill or more. Of course, feeling badly about doing good but not good enough, it's a Jewish thing. We can feel badly about almost anything. So with the money out of the way, he and I are talking about life and God knows what, when out of the effing blue come the hotel security forces, allegedly to protect me, but really to protect the racist class ambience of the hotel from him. Sir, has he given you any trouble, they ask me? No, I say. You're the ones giving me trouble, but they don't listen. They tell him, sir, you're going to have to move on, since harassing a black homeless man is their real objective. So the brother starts yelling at them, as he should have, truly hurt as well and angry and so humiliated. He's kind, intelligent, but what? Black and houseless, black and homeful, black and tall, black and short. You know, they don't give a damn, and they make it up as they go along. I've seen this a million times. The police, security forces, provoke the brother. Then he gets upset, and that becomes the pretense to justify their initial brutality. Resisting arrest that the police impose on the people they brutalize. God, the police provocation is so scripted and predictable. So now that Black Moses is yelling really loud, you bastard, I did nothing, absolutely nothing, and he's so hurt and angry, and I'm yelling at them at well. We're both yelling at him. So he says, I hate Seattle. They're all a bunch of hypocrites. I hate these police. And I'm so proud, profoundly hurt for him. WTF happened. It was just a second ago that he and I were laughing, joking, and talking. The next thing I know, the police state came to protect the hotel from any violations of the apartheid rules. So he keeps yelling, but he begins to move down the street. He tells me goodbye and then moves on. I'm about to follow him, but I'm not sure to what point. He knows who he is. This is not the first or second or 20th time he's been harassed and provoked. And what am I going to do to help him? Nor does he want any more of my help. So as I walk towards him to say goodbye... My knee bangs against the three-foot wrought iron fence that had been cordoning off the street-side restaurant from the sidewalk. And I realize that as the two of us have been talking, him on the sidewalk, me, not more than two feet away from him, that fence, that wall, so short, and yet, of course, so tall, had between us all along. But given our initial affection and connection, I, and perhaps he, had not even noticed it. But as I went back to my room, no, I did not walk out in protest. I realized the power of that fence, that wall, and how the barriers of class and race in a racist apartheid system made us worlds apart. 
And all I can do is attack that wall every day in my organizing work. So the segue is, so as they say, what else is new? As I write this on the 50th anniversary of the Newark Rebellion, where I was living and organizing in the black community in 1967, or the Harlem riots, or the Watts Rebellion, I go back to Los Angeles where the Los Angeles Metropolitan Transportation Authority, MTA, is issuing $125 tickets and arresting its black passengers in droves for the non-existent crime of fare evasion. That's right, not paying a lousy train fare, or for loitering, or for eating food, and yes, even body odor, as the black codes are alive and well in every city in the U.S., and yes, not just the black Moses, but 30,000 black people of all hues, classes, outlooks, are accosted and again humiliated and degraded by the police state run by the liberal Democrats. So, whoa. So, this is what I do. This is why I do it. Uh, right now, we're having a fight with the Los Angeles MTA. And if you're interested in responding to my story, you can write me to eric at voicesfromthefrontlines.com. So we have not had any success really in getting the MTA to do anything good. It's, it's the most mean-spirited agency because it's an $8 billion agency about dividing up $8 billion. If you're on the county board of supervisors, one of five people, Sheila Kuehl, Catherine Barger, uh, Hilda Solis, Holly Mitchell, and uh, Janice Hahn, do you realize that you're dividing up 10 million people? You all have 2 million people under your thumb, and that's where they are. And your job is just to go, into the, go to the MTA and divide up $8 billion and get your share. It's not disgusting. It's not about helping rioters, folks. If you go to the meetings, they're fighting over contracts. They're fighting over money. They're fighting over building a rail line in their district, even though the rail line doesn't go anywhere. And then they're closing down the bus system. And you can call me at 818-985-5735 if you want to talk about this, about the MTA and the bus system, especially if you're black but it's, of course, open to everybody. So right now, I won't go through all the backstory. There's so much. There's 30 years of backstory or 400 years of backstory. When Eric Garcetti got elected in about 2013 or something, uh, we met with him, and he seemed pretty nice, and he said that he was going to work with us to lower the bus fares because... Uh, the monthly bus pass was $100. I'm sorry, it was $75 at the time. And so we said, would you support free transportation? He said, no, I, I can't go that far. The board won't go for it. It's too expensive. And I say, it's not very expensive. It's only going to cost you about $125 million out of what, at that time, your $6 billion budget. No, I can't do that, but we'll move in your direction. Well, the mayor was profoundly dishonest. The mayor broke his promise. The mayor was duplicitous. 
Instead, he cut a deal with Mark Ridley Thomas, who also uh, was deceiving the public, and the late um, Zeb Yaroslavsky. I don't mean know if he's alive or dead, but he was he was the late Zeb Yaroslavsky from the minute I met him. And they raised the fare to a hundred dollars, and then come the seven hundred and the six hundred fifty million dollar police budget to do what? To lock up the passengers. Can you imagine that? Lock up the passengers. That's what the police are there for. Not to protect you, because there's nobody outside the train except you. There's nobody inside the train except you. So who are they protecting? Well, you know, we've got a lot of complaints. Yeah, you got complaints that people are drinking. You got complaints of people eating. You got people, but that's it. That's it. You know, if you're an Amtrak, I believe you're even allowed to have alcohol, but you're certainly allowed to have all kinds of food at your seat. So how can you have food at your seat with Amtrak and get arrested or ticketed for having food at your seat uh, at the MTA? And as I'm telling the story, I feel bad. I feel like I'm a Jewish organizer saying, you know, they're putting Jews in the concentration camp, and people going, yeah, that's really bad. Thank you for the good work. But nobody's really dying to knock down the walls of the concentration camp and free the Jews. And nobody really gives a damn about the 500,000 bus riders. And I'll tell you a little bit what I'm understanding better. So now they're going to go to free public transportation as if they invented it. That's the other thing you have to understand. There's an organizer, 818. 985-5735 if you want to talk to me, is that you fight for things, you fight for things, the system says no, the system says no, and then when they eventually say yes, if they say yes, they act like you don't exist. <laughs> and they act like they invented the very thing that's against the thing that they did. They act like nobody knows why they did the other thing, but now they want low affairs. And that a lot took place during COVID, right? Because they couldn't collect any fares. Duh. So they're doing some good things. They're thanks to us, the Bus Riders Union, not thanks to the groups that have been in bed with the MTA for 20 years. They're U.S. government-inspected community groups, and you know who you are. Thanks to the Bus Riders Union Sindicato de Pasajeros, we finally got them to move in the direction of free public transportation. And by the way, it's not free. Because did you know that you pay four half-cent sales taxes to the MTA every time you buy something? That's right, two cents on the dollar goes to the MTA. If you buy something for $100, $2 goes to the MTA. Did you know that? That's the sales tax. 10% sales tax. 20% of that sales tax is goes to the MTA. If you buy $1,000 worth of stuff eventually in a day, in a month, whatever, uh, $20, is that right, goes to the MTA. Yeah, 10% sales tax is 100 MTA gets its cut. If eventually you spell $10,000 of stuff, $200 goes to the MTA. And every day, millions and millions goes to the MTA. And so if they eventually spend it back, 
They're not giving you all your money back. They're giving you a tiny fraction, and they, and that's why it's not free even when it's free. You get it? It's never free public transportation because you already paid for it. But these ungrateful people just can't do that. So they've now come up with a plan called uh, a pilot project for low-income people, and they want to have a means test. A means test means you have to prove you're poor in order to qualify for free transit. Now, fortunately, you don't have to if you're a community college student, at least so far we think that's great. You don't have to if you're a LK through 12 student, knowing that probably 80 and 90% of the students are low income. But this is Eric Mann on Voices from the Front Lines. You can talk to me at 818-985-5735 if you find this interesting. And 70% of the people who ride the train will qualify for a low-income status. So if 70% already qualify, why do they have to prove it? They're on the train. They're black. They're Latinx. They're women, and they're women of color. They're not, it's not like the women are black. The women are Latinx. The women are Korean. You get it? Only 15% on, on the whole transit system are white. 818-985-5735. So now the MTA is saying they want to have a fair uh, a program for low-income people, and we push them to the point where they've now come up with this idea of called self-attestation. I know, what does that mean? It means you must attest to being poor. You can go up and say, I want a, a, a pass. And in order to get that pass, you have to say, even though I can't prove it, and even though you're not asking me to prove it, I am telling you that this is how much I make. This is how much my family makes. And obviously, if they ever wanted to, they could check it. But the point is, they say, well, it's not good. All you have to do is attest to the fact that you're poor. But you think the black Moses is going to go up and sign that? Do you think any black person with self-respect is going to say, where, where are you going, honey? Oh, I got to go to the MTA to prove that I'm poor so I can get one of those passes. Or I got to go to some MTA. Or I got to go to some social service agency and say, since I already get this particular government program, I would qualify for the low-income pass. And then what if you don't? What if you don't sign up? Then you're on the train. Now, here's some positive. They've cut the fare from $7 a day to $3.50. They've cut the monthly pass to $50. That is excellent. But what if you don't have $3.50? What if you don't have $50? When they enforce it, they have the right to ask you to leave and give you a $125 ticket. So I think a lot of what this is about is keeping houseless people off the train, keeping the black Moses off the train. This is Eric Mann at 818-985-5735. If you want to talk about Jenny Martinez's fight to... Uh, get the police out of the school. If you want to talk about helping the bus riders union get free public transportation for all with no test, no means test, no self-attestation, give me a call at 
985-575-5735. So that's where we are right now. We had a board meeting uh, on the positive. Supervisor Holly Mitchell made a proposal that until they figure this whole thing out, they don't enforce any fares. Uh, that's very important what Holly Mitchell did, and you should give her a lot of credit for it, and she and Mike Bonin made that motion, and it was passed. So you get that. They're not enforcing any fares on the trains, one, because COVID is still there, and I think it's some effort to move in our direction. 818-985-5735. So this is what I do. What can I tell you? This is what I do. I organize. We are going back to try to get Holly Mitchell and to get Mayor Garcetti and to get Mike Bonin, although Mayor Garcetti may be going to India to bring pain and suffering to the people of India, to bring duplicity to the people of India, to bring the art of the double cross and the false promise to the people of India. And yes, probably to try to get India to go to war with China, which is the objective of the State Department right now. So Eric Mann at 818-985-5735. Um, that's what I do. So I'm going to uh, I'm gonna, um, close up in a minute. Um, D'Angelo, um, can we put on... Uh, a Paul Robeson song. Uh, oh, you're getting a call? 818-985-5735. If you're calling in, we'd love to talk to you. 818-985-5735. I'm out of talk. Channing has talked. I've talked. I'd like to hear from you. So if you're calling at whatever you're thinking, uh, hello, Tia. What's on your mind? You can talk to Eric Mann at 818-985-5735. Hello. Hi, Hi. how are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm Tia. Um, I'm calling. Since since the MTA is collecting money as if they are part of the commons, then we should withhold. They shouldn't be able to get any money. If, they, if they're not, if they're getting a percentage... They, they are implying that they're there to help the commons. And if they're not willing to do that, then we should not be giving them any of our tax dollars. I mean, that's double-dipping. I think that's great, Tia. And I think uh, if you send us an email at eric at Voices from the Frontlines, we could talk about how to help because I think that's right. We could have, you know, we used to have a thing called No Seat, No Fair. But we can have a tax protest okay. too, right? We can exactly. say we, we can say we don't want to give uh, two cents on the dollar. We don't want to give two dollars on the hundred. We don't want to give twenty dollars on the thousand to the MTA to not help the the common. That's a really good way of saying it. Do you think you'd like Absolutely. to get involved in it? I would, and a lot of other things. Yes, absolutely. Well, can I ask where do you live and what do you do? I'm in Los Angeles. Am I on the air? Yeah, you're on the air. This is Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Front Lines. So don't put all your business in the street. No, you but ask me what I do. No, you ask me what I do. I don't have a lot of the, uh, time to devote, you know, 
in person, but I'm sure that I could be of assistance because I do have two jobs. And I don't take the MTA, but my concern is for everyone. I want that option. Well, you and know. I am in Los Angeles. All right. Well, then the next step is you send me an email at Eric. Okay. At Voices Eric. from Eric at VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com, which is the same as the okay. show. And if you can go up, so you okay. can see the Voices from the Frontlines on, on the website. Send me an email. I will be in directly in touch with you. You have a good voice. You got good energy. Oh, and we're going to put you to work. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Eric. All right. You take care of yourself. All right. Y'all stay blessed. Thank All you for the work. Okay. okay. Uh, Dr. Bill, how you doing? And then Matado and Ventura. No, I'm in downtown L.A. Are you hearing me? Yeah, I said, Dr. Bill, how oh. you doing? Oh, I'm sorry. For a moment, it seemed pretty low volume. Yeah, not too badly. Um, I'm enjoying your, your content about Metro. Uh, one of the things that particularly bugs me right now is that you probably know that uh, for the time being, the, the there's no fare on the buses, and it seems to me, why not the same on the trains? Why, why, why shouldn't there be? Uh, why should one comport with the other? I'm not. Are they collecting fares on the trains? Yes. Yes, you have to have your card. Otherwise, they'll give you a ticket. Although I was interested in hearing what you said about they're temporarily not doing that. If that's if we can depend on that, that's good news. That is good news, and that's what we do. We go there every time, Bill, and. Uh, push and push and push. So the the question is, they're saying, you know, the one reason is because on the train, I mean on the bus, a lot of it came from the drivers not wanting to have any contact, right? So they put up the, uh-huh. you know what yeah, I mean, they, they, they put up those uh, barriers and the drivers said, there's no way, <laughs> no way I'm going back there and collecting any fares. Uh, but, uh, and I should know better that what you were telling me, um, uh, we're going to look into the. My understanding is that there will be no fair enforcement, but that doesn't mean there will not be, because these police don't do everything. You know, I mean, <laughs> there's okay. police on the train, there's fair collectors on the train. I do know that Holly Mitchell and Mike Bonin said, "Can we agree to not enforce fares until we sort all this thing out?" So here's what I'd like you to do, Bill. And Dr. Bill, if you have my email, Eric at Voices from the Frontlines, go on the train and see what's going on. Ask people what's going on. We are too, by the way. We'll be sending people on the trains. Mm-hmm. Ask them if they're enforcing the fares. Ask them if people have had any problems and send me an email to that effect. Anybody listening? Is that a deal? Okay, okay. Yeah, sure. By all means. All right. And I mean, I would love to hear from you. Eric at Voices from the Frontlines.com. Sounds good. All right, Bill. Thank you. Call again. Uh, Matador and Ventura, you're talking to Eric Mann on Voices from thefrontlines.com, 818-985-5735. We still got about four minutes left. What's up? Tell us what you're thinking. Hey, hey Eric. I'm a refugee from Los Angeles. I was born there, yep. and I'm in Ventura now. <laughs> and it's like day and night over here. <laughs> yeah. It's like day and night over here, man. I mean, it's like, you know, everybody's real courteous on the bus. You know, the racism is there. But I'm not, I'm not trying to talk. I'm trying to start a senior citizen movement against exorbitant fares for the DMV. I'm 81 years old. I'm a veteran. Every time I go to, and I depend on my car, I still drive to one of the veterans, doctors, what have you. 
Yeah, you know, and they just lean on you there. 200, 300, what's this, what's that, the smog. I'm trying to start a movement to help senior citizens at the DMV to give them a discount. I, I think anything, I think that's great. Can I tell you my DMV story? Hit it. Okay. Uh, my, uh, my license expired, and it was during COVID. And I, I couldn't get, you know, an appointment. And I was scared. I, I'm driving essentially with an expired license. So finally, yeah. and I don't want, so finally I go there to get my license. And I'm going to come back to you. I wait five hours online at the, uh, in Hollywood. And uh, f- three hours into it, they say, the line hasn't moved. And they say, uh, Everybody, I don't want to break it to you, but unless you're, it's going to be five more hours before you get in, and I'd suggest you all go home. So I've been there three hours. I I leave because the line has not moved. The next day I say, I don't, I mean, I'll sleep here. I'm not leaving without my license. So this time the line starts to move, but slow as molasses. We finally, I mean, I was there at one this time, or 12.30 or one. At five yeah. o'clock, at five o'clock, there's ten of us left, and I say, "Please, there's ten of us. We've been here since twelve thirty or one. Can we please get in?" And this guy says, "No, I really did the best I could." I said, "No, wait a minute. We've been here for five hours," and yeah. this one woman said, "I'm a nurse." I said, "So I said, let me talk to your supervisor. I want to make sure you have time on the other end." So they bring this black woman. He says, no, she's not. I said, please bring your supervisor. So I said to the supervisor, ma'am, there's 10 of us. And I said, come on up. And everybody said, no, Eric, you're doing a great job. Keep going. So I said, listen, ma'am, if nothing else, could you please get the nurse in? Get her in. For God's sake, She's. you say how much you care about COVID. She's a nurse, and she's got to go back to work. I don't care if the other – we all – and she says, no, I'm not going in if you all don't get in. <laughs> and I'm saying, <laughs> so we built a group, right? We built groups. This is about helping you. So the, the woman, who's yeah. a pretty decent woman, she says, all right, all right, all right. Look, the nurse is getting in, and I'm going to let two more of you in. And But everybody else is going to get a, an appointment for tomorrow, not, not a wait online. So I turned to the group. I said, what do you think? They said, hey, that's great. At least we're so then they were very sweet. They said, Eric, you go in. You're one of the people go in. And I said, all right. I took it. So I went in. The nurse got in. I got in. This other brother got in. And the other seven people, we were all hugging each other because we built a DMV movement. <laughs> and I was yeah. never so proud to get my damn uh, license renewed, you know, like a... No, it's a nightmare. Hey, hey, I'm a white boy. I'm 81 years old, but I hit the gym. And I'm in pretty good shape. You know what I did after two and a half hours? What? I just walked up to the guy and said, I'm going in. I'm a veteran. I can't stand up no more. I just busted in. Good. And sat down. Yeah, and I sat down in the chair inside. Well, I think. Two and a half hours, 81 years old, man. They make you a criminal. The cops, they stop you for anything. You know what I'm driving around now? A a one-day permit. Well, to, to get my car fixed and all that, and, and I fill it out, and I, I don't put the date. I just sign with a date with a date blank, and they stop me. I fill in the date. <laughs> well, I think what you're saying. I want us for our listeners. I want you to hear the common theme here. 
what are yeah, we doing I mean, here? We're paying taxes. Yeah. The common theme yeah. is if you go to the DMV, you're in trouble. If you go on the train, yeah, you're in right. trouble. The the guy, if you, know, you go on the... Yeah. You, you, you're criminalized. You're criminalized for trying to get a government service. All right, so I'm getting yeah, acute. So listen, Maduro, keep going, brother. I got to say goodbye now. Hey, will you help me with this mission? I'll call you back. Yes, you will. will you help yeah. me with the mission? I will. Eric I'll call at... You back tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. Write to me at eric at voices... You have an email? Uh, yeah. Eric at voices... I'll, I'll send you... I'll send you. Yeah, go ahead. At voicesfromthefrontlines.com. Anybody who listens who wants me to respond, I will respond. Thanks, listeners. You've been great, okay? It means a lot that you called. Thank you, Tia. Thank you, Dr. Bill. And thank you, Matador. This is Eric Mann saying goodbye. Thank you, D'Angelo Jones. Thank you, Jenny Martinez. Oh, good. And thank you. That's the one I know by Elaine Brown. Thank you, Elaine Brown. Thank you, Black Panther Party. Take care, everybody. I feel better. I listen to some, some listeners. The face of the man.